So we're talking about the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And we're going to be studying the book of Matthew a little bit. Um, but Darren, uh, Pastor Darren had placed something on the Facebook page that really uh, uh, touched my heart. And it was about St. Patrick. Do you mind if I just kind of illustrate this? Uh, I don't know how many saw that on his Facebook. But uh, St. Patrick was a slave. And um, somehow or another, he got saved. He got born again. Started serving the Lord with a great deal of passion. And um, he began to see the truth in God's word. Matter of fact, he just plain believed what the word of God said. Of which one of the things that he really believed was that Jesus could raise the dead. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe it? I mean, it's got to be inside deep. Because Jesus uses you and I nowadays. We have been given that authority, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So the king at that time, I believe it was in Ireland, had a son who just died prematurely. And then his daughter, the next day or so, went down to the river to bathe back in the 1300s, whatever it was. And um, she got swept away by the currents and drowned. So he lost, the king had lost two kids in the same period of time, had laid them out. They were mourning. Well, St. Patrick, the one we we, they, the world drinks a lot of beer to, don't really realize that this is a man of God. So he comes and he uh, somehow is in the neighborhood. The king finds out about it, has him come, and he simply believed and laid hands on him and told him to rise, and they came back to life. I mean, now what makes a person, what makes you and I, that kind of believer are you can we be absolutely the other thing i want to share then is more recent so i have a grandson and his wife who um, had known about the lord for years and years but anyway they um, got turned on to god in december or so and um, he sent me a blog here just recently, which I want to read. You don't want to, if I can find him. See what you think of this. 25 years of age. This is what he said. Carry the spirit. Walking down the aisle of a church with a fire burning so hot in your soul that ignites the tender of the souls of the people as he passes by. A contagious spirit, a wildfire. Each person's face lights up and glows with light as the fire fills them. They come alive. Many who teach, several that say, but few that expand the fire. Remove the timid spirit from the people, O Lord, the barrier of fear. Burn the barrier down so that God's people can fully experience him. Now, that's a 25-year-old kid that got a hold of God. Now, I, I dare to say, I don't have that. 
quite like I did. I did, when I was first born again, the fire of God was ignited in me and my wife, everybody we were around, actually, many of you here. And we took that fire and did what the Lord told us to do. So this young man, my grandson, and his motto now is all in. Let's say it together. All in. So because all in separates our soul from our spirit. It separates those fleshly things that are desires. When we go all into the kingdom of God, all into God, it's a lot different than partially in. A lot different. Hmm. Last time I was up here a month ago, I talked about how we are messengers like John the Baptist of repentance and that we are also messengers of power like Elijah and that we had to be aware of the times that we live in because I had that word urgency back there before you spoke that. Urgency. There is an urgency of the times that we live in. There is an enemy that is in the heavenlies warring against the angels of God because what's in the natural is also in the spiritual realm. We got natural wars going on. But in the heavenlies, there's a war taking place too. Remember Elisha and his servant? The Syrian army was out there and, and the servant was all nervous about what was happening in front of him. He thought he was going to die. And I'm sure... Ukrainians are thinking that too. But Elisha said, look up, open your eyes. And he opened his eyes and look, there were angels in the crevices of the rocks. There were angels all around fighting. There was a war that they were also fighting. Now you and I are in a war. But realize that God's army that we're in is also has a spiritual army that is fighting right with us. Don't ever give up. Continue the fight. Child of God, continue the fight. Get the fire of God. Let's ask God for his fire to re-infuse upon us. Bring it, Lord. He opened my eyes when I was born again. I couldn't believe that the Bible was true. My grandson, he, he's preaching to me now. <laughs> He said, do you know that there are kingdoms? There's a kingdom of God, but there is a war and a kingdom of devil, darkness, that's warring against the kingdom of God. And I believe there's a kingdom of man being motivated by the kingdom of darkness. I look at the church the kingdom of God presently is in the church. We are his messengers. We are. I'm a firm believer, and Darren's been, Pastor Darren's been saying in uh, James 1, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. I believe firmly that faith without action or works is dead. What's that mean? It means it's useless. 
dead's useless. I mean, what, what use is a good dead person? Now, don't you hate that being said about you? About me? I do. I look at myself, and last time I talked, I, I came to a realization. I, I was filled with complacency, and I had to step it up. All in, Gary, all in. God, I want to march and step with you. I want to hear that voice. I want to know you, Lord. <laughs> what action are we talking about? Prayer warriors, for sure. Yes, worship and praise warriors, for sure. But there's a lot more than just those two. And I'm going to look at what the kingdom of God is here, both present and a future kingdom. Bill had prophesied about the coming of the Lord, and I believe that he's coming. That's part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom future is the second coming of Jesus Christ, and many of those things will be fulfilled at that time. That We won't see the full fulfillment of them now until he comes again. But right now, the kingdom of God is presently within the church within you, within us. We have to get a different perspective, a different mindset of what our job is. We cannot any longer be lazy Christians because I really believe he's coming back. And I believe he wants a harvest of souls right now. Right now. He doesn't want us uh, not to have it that way. John 3, 3. And five. We all know these scriptures, but I want to tell you. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Water referring to natural birth. Spiritual birth is a renewing of your spirit, man, because we are a triune being. Whether you know it or not, we are spirit, soul, and body. And until you get your spirit reborn, the soul and the body is going to rule you. You feel like you want something, I'm going to do it. Unless we have the spirit of the Lord showing us something different. I am the way, truth, and the light. He is the only way. I had a neighbor in Hackensack that said, that is so hard. you telling me Jesus is the only way? I said, yep, that's what the Bible says. That's what it says. He's the door. He's the door. He's the entrance into the kingdom of God. Throw it open wide, run through it. You don't, well, I don't want to talk about the don'ts, but let it be known that that part of it's not easy. The cool thing is, is when you walk through that door, there is a complete transformation. So here's what I believe about a transformation. I believe the transformed, that's a noun, 
those who have been transformed, which I would say is most all of you, are then to become transformers. A verb, that's the action part of it. The transformed becomes transformers for other people. You're the one that speaks the truth to people, to your family members, to uh, ones that are out there. See, what it's all about is a change in identity. I was this kind of a person. Now I'm a follower of Christ. I have his identity. We can never forget who we are, what perspective. It, it changes our whole outlook on the world. If you got a little bit of, mm, I don't know if I should do that, that's God speaking. But if you disobey that, of course, you're going to do it. And that's not God speaking. Whew. So I want to look at the book of Matthew here for a little bit. Fifty times in the book of Matthew, the word kingdom is used. So if you want to know about this kingdom you belong to and who your king is, Go to the book of Matthew and study the book of Matthew a little bit because the kingdom of God is used, or the kingdom of heaven is used 50 times. I'm not going to use that. There are 40 parables in the Bible. 19 of those parables are in the book of Matthew. I think that's pretty cool. I want to look at Matthew 13 for a minute. It's got several parables about the kingdom of God. So it's not only preaching, but a little teaching here, too. First parable he talks in chapter 13 is about the sower. What we're going to see through these parables is that we have a responsibility, we have a job to do. And some of that is now. Some of the things that he mentioned in these parables are yet to come. That he's going to do. This first parable says that you and I are to be sowers. Throw the seed out. What's the seed? Jesus is Lord. Have you been born again? Have you ever repented of your sins? This is what you're asking people. You're throwing those seeds out there. And I like this particular thing here because it shows that we're only responsible for sowing the seed. We're not responsible for the growth of that seed. So it takes a lot of the pressure off. Come on, pitch your, pitch your seed out there. Right, let me see you pitch it. Go ahead, pitch that seed out there. Yeah. That's what it's like. How many of you have been farmers? Now, nowadays, it's hardly, a, you know, the pitching of it by hand. <laughs> Might use a little hand crank for small patches of seed, you know. But uh, we, we sow it. So uh, he says, don't worry about the hard-hearted. Sow the seed. He says, don't worry about the shallow-hearted. Sow the seed. The shallow ground. It's going to, when tribulation comes and trials come, it's going to cause them to run away from God. It just is the way it is. 
And then he says, don't, uh, there's a, a distracted heart or a thorny heart, which means when the thorns come up, it's going to choke out the word of God. So whatever it is, the final thing is good seed. I mean, good soil. And that soil, I think we can make good soil in people by sowing continual seed and trusting that the Holy Spirit is going through your prayers is going to get that soil worked up. And finally, they're going to say, I think maybe Grandpa Gary had something that was correct. And my great-grandkids will say, I think their dad was correct, or I'm correct, or Grandpa Gary is correct. There comes a time in everybody's life they have to accept it or reject it. But you keep sowing the soil the, uh, into the, to the good type of, of soil. Whew. Our responsibility. Second parable he talks about is the one, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And that thing is, again, a small seed, but it grows by faith. That's kind of like what I just talked about. So allow that seed to grow in people's life. And who's responsible? We're not responsible for the growth of the seed, although we can do things to help that along through prayer, through intercession, and believing that people, those people you prayed for up here, you sowed seeds into their heart. Today, through prayer, continue to pray. Never give up. And then uh, I like this one really well because I used to bake bread. This is a parable of the leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. That, that tells us that he is, his, um, what he wants, what God wants with the kingdom of God is worldwide. If we just start baking that bread, what happens? That little bit of dough, man, it goes crazy. It makes a big amount of dough because of the yeast we put in it, the leaven. Well, that's the way the word of God is throughout the world. I'm reading a book second time, Anointed for Burial. You ever heard of that book? It's a good one to read. It's the Burgess family, husband and wife, that went into Cambodia during the Khmer Rouge when right during the Vietnam War, Cambodia also was there. Anybody serve, had to be old to serve in the Vietnam War here. But um, so they sowed into the people and they got favor. They kept praying in favor and they, they got into a, a large auditorium and, and people came from Cambodia, uh, Nam Pem, I think, or Saigon, it was Saigon. And they came and they, they uh, uh, heard the word of God first time. The seeds were planted by that guy. The whole auditorium was filled with these Cambodian people who were in the middle of war. Now, war has an advantage that, that the only advantage for the kingdom of God is that people are thinking about their mortality. What would we do if war hit next door? What if we are hearing bombs? Not in America, but it could. Yeah. So what happened there is that anointed for burial, they had 
sowed the seeds into large amounts of people and then the war and the persecution by the way persecution's part of the kingdom of god can't get away from it it's part of it suffering is part i may give a message on suffering sometime so what happened is they had to go underground most of their leaders were killed by the Khmer Rouge. I think I'm saying that right. And the church, though, went underground and thrived. It grew. You cannot kill the church. You can't. You cannot kill the church. It thrives. It's thriving in China right now. They may have to change their way. Won't have chairs set up, you know. It may have to go to small gatherings. But the church lives on because the church is inside of us. It's not a, a building. It's inside of us. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is inside of us. Then he goes into a parable about the tares. And he says, we're going to make a big harvest. And at the end, I'm going to separate tares from the wheat. Tares are things that look like wheat. People in this case. And uh, at the end, God's going to separate them. So we can trust in the second coming of God, not that we want to see anybody be tares, do we? We want all to be saved, all to come to the knowledge. That's why we speak. That's why we're doing this for the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to parable of the hidden treasure. And that's the way I feel about Jesus. When I found him, it was like a treasure inside of me exploded. My eyes were open. I look into heavens. I, I could read the Bible totally different than I did before. Everything changed. It was a pearl, a, a beautiful treasure that was lifted inside of me, released inside of anyone who believes. Parable of the dragnet was the last one he spoke about in chapter 13. Kingdom of God is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea. And then there is a separation there also. Threw away the bad and took the good. Those are hard words to hear. So I'm thinking about Matthew. This whole book. Jesus walked the earth. Hey, the guy went through tremendous guy. This God-man, man-God, man-God while he was on earth, went through tremendous persecution. He wasn't understood by the religious folks. Then he went through the ultimate crucible, which is the cross. He died, but he came back to life. And that's why St. Patrick believed in resurrection life. And he's told us that. So he ends Matthew 9, uh, chapter, the Matthew, with what was greatest upon his heart for the kingdom of God. And he says, verse 18, 28, 18, Jesus had been through it all, and he says, this is what you need. This is it, guys. This is what you need to be effective in the kingdom of God. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, 
all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And you can read the, the, the rest of it, teaching them to observe all things. But there's a going and a making. So it's not enough to be born again only. I mean, it'll get you to heaven. <laughs> but God's kingdom says you're to be busy in the work of God. You're to be making disciples. Who will you make? Call a church meeting and people come and no, it's family members, it's it's small groups, it's you're effective in that way. And if we look at I, I liked um, this particular verse was a, a, a prophecy in Daniel, Daniel seven. Seven, fourteen. So then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. That's you, that's me, his kingdom will not be destroyed. It's here. And it's effective. And if we look in Luke, I should have assigned this like I do on breakfast tables. It's uh, Luke 9. I think it's Luke 9. Maybe I got a piece of paper in there. Yeah, Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's what's been given to us. He did it for them. He did it for us. So I'm going to say, let's not be complacent. Let's not be complacent. Let's let God be alive in us. So I, I hear, you know, Bill's been through a lot. And uh, I hear these stories about Bill and, and Ryan and Brian wheeling around the Christian nursing home, laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. I mean, come on, guys. We have no excuse. You don't have a leg and you're in a wheelchair and you can't see. It didn't stop Bill. Bill, I appreciate that. That's real God. That's the kingdom of God no matter what. So look at your excuses, guys. My excuses. I want to look at one more thing here before I wrap it up. Could we turn to 1 Samuel 22.1? Good Old Testament won't hurt you.
So this is the story of David. I like this story because it really tells me what you and I should be doing and who we should be helping. So David went through some persecution. He wasn't even invited to the party by his parents. All the other kids went there. And uh, then he finally, God called him out and he came. But then um, he was made king. So he was with Saul all the time and Saul used him for javelin practice. And uh, he had to then um, escape. And he went to a cave of Abdullam, the cave of Abdullam right here in this part here. And uh, people came, his own family members came to escape from Saul. But then we see, and I believe this is the work of the kingdom of God here. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone was, who was discontented gathered to him. And he became captain over them. There were about 400 men with him. What do you, th what do you think when these people show up like this? What do you think when you're around people that are in trouble with the world does not treat them correctly? Well, he got busy. David said, well, I got him here, so I might as well do something with him. So he began to train them through worship, and I believe he did a lot more than that. I believe he built into their character. I believe there was a change in their perspective. They came in beaten down. And the church is going to, should have a lot of people coming in that are beaten down, downtrodden, debtors, distressed. You might be around a lot of them like that. So he, he came in and over a period of time where he poured himself into them, like Jesus pours into us. They changed. Their identity changed. And out of that came David's mighty men. I don't think, it doesn't say that they came in with a spear or, or, or they knew how to be a fighters, but David taught them something that was practical for their life. How to survive. Change their whole perspective. Now, I believe that is what the church needs to be doing. We need to be out there helping people. That's the kingdom of God within us. So my challenge to you today is be a people who can see other people. And then you're going to allow the seed of Jesus Christ to be planted in their soil. I want you to know I'm not perfect at this. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I do love people that are downtrodden. I feel I have a heart for the people like David had there. Because that's Jesus' heart, isn't it? Jesus had compassion upon them, it says. And he healed them all. <laughs> What's the matter with... Can I pray for you? What's so hard about that? 
can I pray for you? And I, I've done that several times, many times. And nobody's turned me down. Sure. So then you can just pray. Let that power of God, the power of Elijah, hit them. And they'll be changed like you did when the, you came upon that, the cars. You had, to, you had to do something. Let the power of God rise up. My grandsons come to a realization that all the difficulties with the people he's around are spiritually based, based upon some wound from the past or some hurt. And he believes that he can, through the authority God given, bind those things and loosen the Spirit of God. Now, this guy... He's only been with God for four months, three months, and he believes. Let's get our believer back, guys. Can we get our believer back? We can just help people, not help them. I mean, good, give them food. That's fine. That's great. But give them more. Give them prayer. Give them an opportunity to receive Christ. I always look at. Austin, don't I? <laughs> and I think, wow, what an opportunity to, to be the kingdom of God that's in him and to hit those kids all around them. You guys, what's difficult about saying, hey, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you some good news. You just tell them Jesus is the answer. A lot of people will invite to church. Why don't you come to my church? And I believe that's great. Because church should be doing what it's doing and helping people. And that's where we need to be. But first of all, I want you to know Jesus. I met Jesus and he changed my life. I met the Holy Spirit and he's changed my life. Would you like to know a little bit about him? You can say that to your people. Thanks, Kay. Thank you, Lord. Distressed, debtors, discontented. Sounds like the world, doesn't it? It's everywhere. I hate to tell you this, but I see a lot of that in believers. I think we need to get through all of that so we can really help people. Let's just settle our issues. Settle our issues. What's so important in that issue that might keep you from really helping someone else? Give it up. Give it up. Oh, church hurt me way back when. I don't want to go back to church. Hey, I've had a lot of hurts from church. And maybe it sidetracked me for about seven years. But God... All in. All in. Oh, well. Darren, it's about that time. 
So somebody told me um, before church that it's a great sacrifice for you this morning. And uh, because the Illini are playing right now, anybody that knows me knows I love the Illini, particularly if they win, which doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, those kind of things aren't sacrifices. You know, you just, that's, this is what's important. Being in the house of God, helping you guys today with a, a message that I struggled with and struggled with. Ask Kathy. She finally got mean in the spirit last night because I was kind of moping around thinking, oh, I can't do this. And she bound those alt spirits I had <laughs> of failure and fear, everything in the past and all that stuff. Whew. So I'd like to say it totally lifted off, and it did. However, you know, I still had a concern. I, have, I had to carry this thing. I had to see it through. <laughs> so I appreciate my wife. She's a maniac in the spirit. I think we all need to be a little bit maniac in the spirit, quite frankly. If you attack things like Kathy does, y'all going to make big differences in your families and your, your uh, life. Can I just three or four more minutes, maybe? Is that a yes? Can I have three or four more minutes? Okay. This is early, right? So I had a, a prophecy about two weeks ago, three, three four weeks ago. And it said, I'm gathering a people who have been through the crucible and have kept their faith. And I mentioned in that that Jesus also went through the crucible. And, uh, and now he's the commander-in-chief, the Lord of hosts. And then I said, uh, you're in the army of God for a purpose. Army of God for a purpose. So the word crucible bothered me because I wasn't sure what that meant. I thought it was when you, uh, you grind up wheat to make flour, but I think that's a psaltery or something else. A crucible is simply, uh, in chemistry terms, we used a Bunsen burner on a crucible, which was a container made of porcelain or iron that would not burn up. And we put things in it so that they would change a chemical a composition to make it more pure and so the, the Lord was telling us that we are going have had many situations in life where we've been in that hot place the crucible where there was a, an exchange of personality of, of humility pride is exchanged for humility beauty was exchanged I mean, ashes were exchanged for beauty. And that all comes about by the fire. I'm a firm believer that we all have to go through the crucible. It should not kick our faith out. Faith is what's going to be this army of God in this last day we live in. 
So if you're in the crucible, think about your life, different times. I've had a lot of them. It's not a one-time thing. Allow the heat to burn off the dross. If it's a, a wine bottle, there's dregs at the bottom. If you let it set, the dregs come to the bottom, and they start to... I've read about this. I don't... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I pour off... Then you pour off the upper part, hold it up to the sunlight, and if you see more dregs in there, you let it set again until they settle. Finally, you get the sunlight a-glowing through that, and it's pure. And that's what the fire of God does also. Remember the potter's wheel in Jeremiah? There are so many illustrations. We have to go through things. Don't get mad at God. Because you're in a crucible. It's part of your character making. It's part of making you to be more effective for the purpose of God. I want effectual ministry. How about you? So my challenge today, be a people of action. Spreading the kingdom message of repentance and authority. Allow God to change you so that you can be effective. And get out there and do it. Just do the things of God.